Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on what it is by the time you're listening to this message. This is Russ here, and uh, I was supposed to be the speaker this Sunday, March 22nd. But with the things that are going on in the world right now, obviously we can't can't meet as a big group, so I figured that I was still going to record my sermon, um, and just hopefully some of the things that that we look after today can can be encouraging in a time where, where it's very easy to get discouraged. The title of my, my sermon was going to be Gifts, and it was going to be an overview. I'm taking a class right now called Intro to Ministry, and one of the things that, that we've been really talking about is, is the gifts that we've been given from God and, and the spiritual gifts that, that we have. And so how do we discover those and how do we utilize them to glorify God? Now, at this time, we may feel that a lot of things have been taken from us. You know, we're, we're supposed to stay inside right now. We're quarantined. Some people's health has been taken from them. So a little bit of our freedom has been, has been taken. Some people's lives have even been taken, especially just, just thinking about this, this virus that's going around right now. So I kind of wanted to flip the script and, and go on the more positive side and look at things that, that we've been given, not things that have been taken, but things that God has given to us and how fortunate and lucky we are to have those things. Now, our aim today is to look at three things. And like I said, it's an overview. All these things need to be dived into and unpacked a lot more, but today I just wanted to do an overview on it. And our aim is to understand the major universal gifts that are available to all. Okay, the gifts that that God has in his providence that he has made available to everyone. He wants everyone to accept. We also want to realize that we all have unique individual gifts bestowed to us by God. So, you know, we are we are all individual, we are all unique, and God has, has blessed us and equipped us all in our own ways. In saying that, we also want to learn how to discover those gifts so that we can utilize them to the full potential. We really want to max them out. So the first thing that we want to look at is we want to look at what a gift is. And when I was doing research on that, I found that there was two real major definitions of it. And I think it works nicely to how we're looking at things today. So a gift, it is a thing that is given willingly to someone without payment. A present. A thing given willingly to someone without payment. That's one of them. The second one was a natural ability or talent. So I think we, we can all understand, we all kind of know what a gift is, but I just wanted to go over it, especially to kind of break it down into two categories, because I think it works so nicely with, with what we want to look at here today. So we're starting off with the universal gifts that God has given us. And there's the big three of them. We're going to unpack them a little bit. But the big three that I think that God's given us, and there is more, it starts with grace. Secondly, we're going to look at Jesus the Son as a huge gift that God has given to the world, given to all mankind. And of course, that's closely followed by the Holy Spirit. So grace, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. These are amazing gifts that, that God has made available to everyone. And so if we look at the gift of grace, what better place to start when Paul writes in Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. For by grace you have been saved. Grace is essential. We know this. There's some great things about grace. If we want to break that down a little bit more, we see that grace is available to all. It doesn't discriminate, and there's enough of it for everyone. In Titus 2 and 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. It's pretty plain and simple. Besides being available to everyone, grace is unlimited. Not that we want to want to test it and put it to its max and just sin so that grace may abound, but, but it is limitless. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weaknesses. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. God's got enough there. The tank is not going to run empty on you. Lastly, with grace, it's unmerited. We know this, Romans 3, 23 and 24, it says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So grace, it's free to us. It's everlasting, should we continue down the path, and it's undeserved. Now think of that. Do not those make up great qualities of every gift, free, it's continual, and it's undeserved. Truly great qualities of any gift. Which brings us secondly to, to the gift that, that God parted with his son, sending him down for us. Now, the gift of Jesus Christ was surely given out of love. John 3.16 tells us that. It says, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God so cared for us, he gave us something so valuable to him. The beauty of this gift is that it was given once and for all. If we look in the book of Hebrews, which, which is a great book where the Hebrew writer has, has kind of bounced back and forth comparing the old with the new and just explaining how great the new is now that it has come, the magnificence of it. In Hebrews 10 and 10 it says, By this will, sorry, by this will we have been, have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. What a thing that must have been for, for those who lived around that time who who knew the Old Testament, and then when the New was ushered in, what a, what a, that must have just exploded their minds, that, you know, the sacrifices are done. Perfect sacrifices come, and it covers front to back. See, what makes Jesus such an extraordinary gift is that he was the only one that, that could have filled the void for us. The nails that, that he took, those were meant for every one of us. We realize that, that that is our punishment, but that God spared us from that by giving his son. What an amazing gift Jesus is. We see that the gift of the Holy Spirit is also something that God has made available to us. 
In Acts 2.38, we read that Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Think of those 3,000 on that day. All after hearing Peter preach, they were pricked to the heart, and God bestowed the Holy Spirit upon them. In the Holy Spirit, we have a lot of things. And there was four main things that I came up with here. Not to say that there's not more, but John 14.26 tells us that, that we have a teacher, that we have an aid in the Holy Spirit. John 14.26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance all that I said to you. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is a comforter. In Acts 9.31 it says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit continued to increase. The Holy Spirit was there to comfort them as the church was getting going. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says this, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is a seal. You are marked to show that you belong to this family, to God's family, as a pledge of what you will inherit. Lastly, the Holy Spirit is a power to you. If we go back to the beginning of Acts, the first chapter, and the eighth verse, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. This is part of the, the strengthening. And you know, we know there's there's debate of the Holy Spirit, the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and what the apostles were able to do in those times. And and that's that's kind of getting off onto a different tangent there. But we have this Holy Spirit if we are sons and daughters of God. And God has given this to us for us to use. What a great, great gift. In Luke 11... Verses 9 to 13 says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, suppose one of you, one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It's not hard to get the Holy Spirit, you know. God's laid it out pretty simple for us. God wants to give you these gifts. He wants you to have them and to use them. And so if we go back to it and we say, what is a gift? A thing giving willingly to someone without payment, a present. Those things that we looked at, grace, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, are those not all something that God has willingly given to us? 
without payment from us? I think they are. But let's move across the page here to the other side that looks at another definition of gift. A natural ability or talent. See, these are things that are more unique to each one of us. could ask you a question. Do you have any spiritual gifts? If you were to say no, you would be wrong. <laughs> and Peter tells us that in 1 Peter 4, at the beginning of verse 10, he says, as each one has received a special gift. Paul echoes that right away. In 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7, he says, however, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner, and another in that. And this area Paul's talking about in, in this section here, um, 1 Corinthians 7, he's talking about what is it better to be married? Is it better to be single? Well, Paul's saying that it kind of depends on the self-control of the individual. Paul states that, that he is gifted in the area of self-restraint, but that others might not be. So Paul's saying that that's one of his gifts here. But what really Paul's saying, and what we're looking at in this context right now, is that each man has his own gift from God. God did not forget you when he made you. He has equipped all of us with something that we can use to glorify him and bless others. The big thing is we just have to discover what that is, of course. And it's not always easy to do. So what do we do about it? Here are some things that we can ask ourselves to help us discover what kind of spiritual gifts we have. I think before, before we get to these questions, we have to realize, though, that, that we ourselves, that you yourself, you are a gift, just in yourself. If you think to Psalm 139, verse 14, it says, And I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. You are a work of God. You didn't just sneak up on this earth without God knowing. God planned for you to be here. And as we've looked at, everyone has a gift. And we're about to kind of look in a little further and hopefully, hopefully find a way that, that we can recognize our gift and then we can begin to use it. But... Realize that you yourself are a gift. God has a plan for you. You're valuable to him. And you're, you're valuable to, to your church. Some of the questions that we can ask ourselves, if you're having a hard time saying, you know, what is my spiritual gift? Right now, reset your mind and, and go with me on these questions here. The first thing that we can ask ourselves when we're looking to distinguish our own spiritual gifts is what strengths we recognize in ourselves. What things come easy to us? What things can we succeed at? We don't maybe don't have to put our mind to it as much. We can, you know, we're just confident in doing it. We're good at it. What kind of things do you see in that category for yourself? Secondly, what are some of the things that you enjoy doing? Chances are that these are things that, that are in your strength category as well. I know for, for me, if it's not something I'm good at, I probably don't really enjoy doing it that much. And that's not the same for everything, but what kind of things do you have strength in? What areas? And what kind of areas do you enjoy working in? What do you enjoy serving in? 
Thirdly, we can ask ourselves, what or who do we relate to? Is there someone in the Bible that you can say, oh man, I really relate to them? You know, we can kind of use that and look and see, oh, like this was their strengths. Maybe, maybe this is, if, if we feel compatible with them, maybe we're strong in this area as well. Or we have this gift. What kind of things or who do we relate to? Fourth, there's the, this, is, this is one I really like and one that maybe we don't do enough of, but what do others see in you? What kind of feedback do you get from those around you in your church group and in your workplace, through your friends, th through just anything? Do, do others point out things to you that you don't see? Sometimes the things that others see about us, we can't see in ourselves, surprisingly. I know that's true. So let's really have our ear open to, to hear what people are saying to us. And it kind of goes along with, with the fifth thing is, what areas have you been encouraged in? You know, has someone heard your voice and been like, wow, you are a great singer. You know, you should expand your role in, in the worship process that way. Or, wow, that was a great message. You laid that out really well. I think we would benefit from hearing that from the front. Or, you know, and it's not... It's not always about pushing someone up into the spotlight either. It doesn't. You don't have to go in front of a group of people to display your gifts. A lot of the best gifts and the most valuable, even though they're all valuable, are done behind the scenes. Just using that as an example. Have others encouraged you in an area? At the same time, have you been encouraging to others? That's why, why having a, having a church body is so great. I know personally for myself, I've been so encouraged by by a number of you saying just kind things to me whether I was <laughs> stumbling over my words up there or not it was always a lot of positive stuff and so that really makes a person feel good and and feel feel confident in, in their abilities you know we have to be encouraging to one another let someone know when they've done a good job or you think they've done a good job it could be very meaningful for them it can go a long ways Next on the list, the things to help us discover our spiritual gifts are trial and error. You know, you think you might be strong in this area or you're not sure. Even if you think you might be weak in an area but you want to kind of prove for sure, give it a try. Go teach a kid's class for, for a semester, you know. They may have you pulling out your hair and torn clothes by the end of it and you say, Oof, you know what, I thought I was weak in it and this just proved that I am. You know, at least you try it. Because just as easy, you could go in there and say, wow, this is great, you know, working with young kids and being able to mentor them and see the growth, that's really rewarding. And you find out that you're good at it, something that you never thought. We have to be willing to try and maybe put ourselves in a position that, that we're not comfortable. This will help reveal if, yes, we were right about what we thought our strengths were or if we're wrong. The biggest one, and I'm sure there are, there are more things that we can do to, to discover these, these gifts, but... A big one is prayer and time spent in the Word. Talking with God, asking Him to, to open windows, open doors. Just to, just to have Him be with you in situations and, and so that He can use you as an instrument uh, to do His will. Be in talk with God. And in spending time in the Word, we just see great examples of service. We see examples of gifts that people in the Bible had and how they used them. So it's just further encouragement and instruction for us.
Romans 12, Paul says this. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. No gift is better than any other gift. They are all of value, and they are all essential, and God has planned for each of them to work in harmony with each other to achieve maximum glory to Him. Paul again in 1 Corinthians 12, first, sorry, uh, verses 4 to 12 say this, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministers and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, and to another the effects of miracles and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one of us individually, just as He wills. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are one, though they are many, sorry, are one body, so also is Christ. We see that there's a variety of gifts here that God has given, but that they're all part of the body. They're all given from the one God. If we continue down that chapter just a little bit further, picking up in verse 27 to 31 of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul, continue on in his writing, says, Now you are Christ's body, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kind of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? but earnestly desire the greater gifts. Continues on to say there is a more excellent way, and this is through love. If we're showing love to others and using our gifts, this is glorifying to God. We all do not have the same strengths in the same areas, but that's why as a body we're powerful. For where one is weak, the other is strong, and vice versa. Now, there's some reasons why we work. 
But first, we're going to look at a nice little passage here. And the whole thing really could have been, could have probably been built off of just this, these two verses in, uh, in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 here. It kind of gives you the who, what, how, and why um, we're going to utilize our own gifts. At the beginning, it says, as each one has received a special gift. So that's all of us. This message here is applicable to everyone. Everyone has received a special gift. God did not just put you here on earth and give you no weapons at your disposal to use to glorify him. No, each one has received a special gift. After that, it says, employ it. Okay, simple enough. We got this gift. What are we supposed to do with it? We're supposed to use it. How are we supposed to use it? In serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. That is how we employ it in our service. So why do we do it? Well, that's the last part of the, the verse in 11 here. It says that, So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We realize our gifts and we use them by service so that God may be glorified. We've gone over that a few times, but that is the real reason that we have these gifts. As I mentioned before, there's reasons why we work. Ephesians 2 and 10, we've already gone over it again, but let's Let's hear it once more. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. When we, we understand that God loved us first, and when we come to love him, we gain deeper appreciation and understanding for that love. And so naturally, our reaction is, is in loving him back is to realize what he wants us to do, to be obedient to that, and then to follow through with that. And so God, he understands this, and he has laid aside things for us to do. He's laid aside good works. God has prepared them beforehand so that we would walk, so that we would continue on in them. Titus 3.8 says, This is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things I want you to speak confidently, so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. So not only are they good and profitable for God, they're good and profitable for us as individuals, and they're good and profitable for those around us, especially those who maybe haven't heard the good, the good news. We are to be good stewards. Now, there's, there's a few parables that talk about stewardship in the Bible. Um, and a gentleman named Charles Bug, he had a great... Uh, little sentence here on, on just what it is to be a good steward. And it says that is utilizing and managing all resources God provides for the glory of God and for the betterment of his creation. I just thought that was a good sentence that kind of packed everything that, that we want to be making sure that we're doing into one sentence. So if you haven't grasped it already, we can understand that, that these gifts are given for a reason. Paul, when writing to Timothy in the first letter, uh, chapter 4, beginning of verse 14, says, Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. Do not let it go to waste. Do not let it sit there 
and rest. That is not why God gave you that. There are some parables in the New Testament that we see. The parable of the talents or the minas in Matthew 25. There's also the parable of the pounds slash money usage in Luke 19. These parables tell of a master who left something of value with his servants. And he expected something to be done with them in his absence. In our case, if, if God truly is our master, we need to be using our gifts to, a, to, to be valuable. To return something valuable to God with them. To, to further the kingdom. To spread the gospel. Parables tell us so much about how to conduct ourselves. And we see ones that, that talk about not knowing the hour when the sun will return. But keeping that in mind, it would be wise of us that, that in our master's absence, we are working. God wants us to be working. A good example of this is Paul. In 1 Corinthians 15, 10, 11, it says, for I am the least of the apostles, the apostles, sorry, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God within me. What is he saying here? Paul, he's giving all the credit to the grace of God for, for what he is and for what for what he's become. Because remember, Paul, he's a great sinner. And this all changed after that encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Paul came to understand the value of grace. And once he understood that value, he did not want to waste it. You see what it says there? His grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored. You know, he didn't want to waste that gift that God was given him. And Paul, he could have probably easily given up. We know how tough a life he had. He had. It's also Paul that, in his second letter to Timothy, when he's kind of trying to encourage Timothy, he, Timothy is a young minister that's going to be, be kind of setting out on his own here. And, and Paul says to him, he says, For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. So, if you feel that you have a gift in a certain area, but you know, you just kind of let it lay on the side, you're not wanting to use it, let this verse really speak to us here. I remind you to kindle afresh the word of God. In the Greek, that word is anadzoporeo. <laughs> And it means to kindle afresh, to stir up the fire, to fan the flame. If, if we know we have these gifts and we just don't use them, it's like, like a fire that doesn't get stoked, doesn't get tended to. We don't put wood on it. It's just going to fizzle out. It's going to get lower and lower and lower, and eventually it's going to go out, and then it's of no use. Paul's saying, you know, Get in there, stir up that fire, get the flame going, heat it up again. That's the encouragement. Like I said, all these things can be delved into a lot deeper, but this was just an overview and hopefully a positive one that, you know, God has made you special and God has made you in a way that you can 
be a blessing to him and, and to others around you. We know that that the universal gifts God that God has given us, grace, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, these are for everyone. This is something that we need to be sharing with people and letting them know that they can have access to it. And from there, we kind of look inward and discover what areas we're talented in and then how we are meant to be used within the body to continue on and spread that good word. I hope everybody's doing well out there. I hope everyone's uh, staying safe and just enjoying time with family and and just remain remaining uh, encouraged uh, during this time. If we keep praying, uh, we hope that, that it'll be over sooner than later and that we can get back just in time to to enjoy some nice weather out uh, at summer there. So again, um, just thankful for uh, for you guys as a group, the encouragement that you've been to me, and uh, God bless us and uh, everyone as we go forward this week. We continue to pray for the world around us during this time.